Good to see you this morning. Good to hear you this morning. For those of you joining us online, we are glad that you're with us wherever you might be. If you're in the auditorium this morning and you're a guest of ours, boy, we're glad to have you with us today. We hope you feel right at home. Um, and if you don't, we're not doing it right because we're a family. So I heard about a woman who announces to a friend that she was getting married for the fourth time. And her friend said, that's great, but can I ask, what happened to your first husband? And the woman said, well, he, he died when he ate poison mushrooms. I said, oh, how terrible. Well, what happened to your second husband? He died when he ate poison mushrooms, too. That's, that's tragic. I'm almost afraid to ask what happened to your third husband. He broke his neck. Really? Yeah. He wouldn't eat the mushrooms. <laughs> There is a strong desire within most of us to want to be in control, right? We like the feeling of being in control. In fact, we feel like we need to be in control. We like when circumstances turn out just like we want them to be. We like when people react and respond just like we want them to. We like it when things happen just the way we want them to happen. We love to be in control. Because when we feel like we're in control, we at least feel like we know what to expect. And for the most part, we are in control until we're not. I've been looking at some labels and hashtags for a couple weeks here. My uh, hashtag this week is, advance that for me someone, hashtag blindside. Now, I sort of went back and forth on, on what to call this uh, sermon. And I thought, okay, maybe hashtag um, did not see that coming. Or maybe hashtag surprise or what do I do now? But I went with blindside for a couple reasons. One, it's, it's kind of a family joke. But more than that, there's a, there's a difference between being surprised and feeling like you're blindsided, Right? I mean, when you, when you feel like you're blindsided, it's not just a matter of I'm surprised. It's like, okay, I've just been cheated. Something's not right. That's not fair. No, I feel like I've been blindsided. And this idea of being in control and the need to be in control, I think it's one of the great illusions of our day. That, that, I, that I'm self-sufficient. That I'm smart enough or I'm rich enough, or I'm powerful enough, or I'm clever enough, and I don't need to depend on anybody but myself. And then one day, we get blindsided. Blood vessel bursts. Some cells mutate. Somebody runs a stop sign. And we realize we're not in control. In fact, we realize we really never were in control. And it, it's not just those big things either. I mean, it's everyday stuff, right? I mean, the car won't start, and the roof leaks, and the kids are struggling in school. And I mean, there, there's always all this stuff that's always happening to us, kind of reminding us that, that we really don't have the control that we sometimes wish we had. This morning, I want to use as my anchor text one of the most quoted passages in the entire Bible. In fact, if I just gave you the book title and uh, book chapter and verse, I think most all of you, at least the majority of you, could immediately quote it. Or at least when you heard it started, 
even if you don't know very much about the Bible, you'd recognize it and you'd be able to fill in most of the blanks. It's not only one of the most quoted passages, I think it's one of the most misapplied passages in Scripture as well. It's a passage that should give us tremendous hope, tremendous peace. But so often when this passage is quoted, the result is you feel kind of crummy about yourself. And you feel like, okay, I'm not where I should be and kind of depressing almost. But here's the verse. Romans 8, 28. See, I told you you'd know it, right? Everybody knows Romans 8, 28. Paul is writing to Christians living in Rome who've been going through some challenges, and he makes this famous statement. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. You've probably heard that verse quoted most all of your life. And pretty often it's quoted to people who have just had something happen that they didn't want to have happen. And they hear that verse, we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Hmm. And sometimes that's frustrating to hear. And sometimes that's not quite as encouraging as maybe it should be. So I want to uh, spend a few minutes this morning and kind of deconstruct this famous passage. I want to pick it apart a little bit and maybe gather a a better understanding of why it's so famous and just how powerful it really is. Paul says, we know that in all things, in all things, in all the stuff that happens to me, in all the stuff that I want to have happen to me, in all the stuff that I don't want to have happen to me, In all things. All the things I would choose for myself, all the things I would never choose for myself. In all things. All the things that help me, and all the things that kind of blindside me. And here's one thing that's so important about that phrase, all things. All of the same things happen to people who love God as happen to people who don't love God. It's all the same things. It's the same stuff. The difference between people who believe in God and love God and people that don't believe in God and don't love God isn't that better things happen to those who believe in God. The same things happen. You know, one way to divide up things that happen to us, there's good things that happen to me and there's bad things, right? That's a pretty easy way to divide up stuff that happens. It's good stuff or it's bad stuff. So, as somebody who believes in God... Well, I should expect more good things, right? I should expect more good things to happen to me than bad things. If I believe in God, the ratio of good things happening to me should increase over what the bad things are. I mean, that's, that's why I'm a Christian, right? I mean, that's God's part of the bargain. He's supposed to be giving me good things. He's supposed to be blessing me with great circumstances, right? And Paul would say, no, No, that's not what this verse is talking about. That's not what I'm trying to get to here. Not at all. The same things happen to believers as happen to non-believers. I mean, not just the big things. Traffic jams. Kids getting sick and hours getting cut. The difference isn't that more good things will happen to me if I believe in God. The question really is, Who's in control of the things when they happen to me? 
Who's in control when I get blindsided? In fact, here's a good question to ask yourself. How much of my inner well-being is determined by my external circumstances? How much of how I feel about my day and my life, how much of that is really affected by the things that are going on around me? I want you to listen to a quote by Henry Nguyen. He says this, At issue is the question, to whom do I belong? To God or to the world, to my circumstances? Many of my daily preoccupations suggest that I belong more to the world than to God. A little criticism makes me angry. A little rejection makes me depressed. A little praise raises my spirits. A little success excites me. It takes very little to raise me up or to bring me down. Then he says this, Often I'm like a small boat on the ocean, completely at the mercy of its waves. All of the time and energy I spend in keeping some kind of balance, trying to prevent myself from being tipped over and drowning, shows that my life is mostly a struggle for survival. And not a holy struggle, but an anxious struggle, resulting in the mistaken idea that I must struggle to regain control and it's my circumstances that define me. God never intended it for, for, to be the, for our circumstances to be what defines us. Which brings me to the next phrase in this famous passage. We know that in all things, God works. God works. Here, here's what I think is, is Paul's point here. God didn't promise to give you the circumstances that you want. He promised to work in the circumstances that you have. And this is so important because I think so many people get this wrong. You know, so many people misquote this verse. That verse does not say, well, all things work together. That's what we think it says. That's what we want it to say. And that's why we say, well, things are going to work out. Everything's going to be fine. It's all going to be okay. But sometimes things don't work out. And sometimes it's not fine. Sometimes everything's not okay. In fact, earlier in this same chapter, Paul's going to give some commentary about the world that, that we live in. Just back up a couple verses in Romans chapter 8. Paul says that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. The bondage of decay. Everything you see, everything you touch, everything you own is subject to the bondage of decay. It's wearing out. It is, it is wearing down. I've said this before. Everything I own is junk. It just hadn't gotten there yet. You know, that's why uh, there's plumbers. And that's why there's mechanics. And that's why there's orthopedic surgeons. That's why there's plastic surgeons, because everything is subject to this uh, decay. And why when you buy your car, you drive it off the lot, it immediately begins to depreciate, because it's wearing down and it's wearing out. You buy an appliance for your house, it comes with a warranty that is time limited. Why? Because it's going to wear down, and it's going to wear out, 
and it's going to break a week after the warranty runs out, right? They've got it figured out. People go on online dating services. They post pictures of themselves that's 10 years old. <laughs> and you know you do. Why? Because we're wearing down. And we're wearing out. And the amazing thing is, we're surprised by that. We're actually kind of surprised when it happens because we think, well, everything's going to stay just like it should. Everything's going to work out just like I expect it to. And when it doesn't, we're not just disappointed. We feel cheated. It's not fair. We feel blindsided when things don't work out like we think they should work out. But I want you to think about the man who wrote this passage that we're talking about today through the direction of the Holy Spirit. How was Paul's life going for him? Now, before Jesus, as far as, as, far as being a, a Jew goes, Paul says, I was born on third base. As far as being a Jew, I was it. I had it. I had it all. Then I met Jesus, and I became a follower of Jesus my circumstances changed. Read 2 Corinthians 11. Paul said, I have been hungry. I have been thirsty. I have been in prison several times. I have been beaten with rods. I have been beaten with whips several times. I have been shipwrecked several times. My whole life is defined by danger. And yet the same Paul, while he's in prison writes to a group of Christians in Philippi and says, I want you to be glad and rejoice with me. I'm rejoicing. I want you to rejoice with me. How could Paul say that? Because Paul understood God is at work. Which God? This God. Take a look at Isaiah chapter 40, how the prophet defines God. Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? I love this. He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Now, scientists keep learning more and more about the universe that we live in. I looked this up online this week because I wanted to get it right. A galaxy can contain as many as 100 trillion stars. You can't fathom that number. 100 trillion stars. Astronomers believe that there are as many as 200 billion galaxies. So how many stars is that? You want to know what 100 trillion times 200 billion is? I'll tell you. A lot. <laughs> That's a lot of stars. And Isaiah says, God knows where everyone goes. In fact, he has named them all. He knows all there is to know about every single star that's out there. He never misplaces a one. That's how big God is. And then in the same chapter, the same prophet describes God this way. Verse 11 of chapter 40. He tends his flock like a shepherd... He gathers the lambs in his arms, carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. The same God that holds 200 billion galaxies in the palm of his hand holds us 
close to his heart in his arms. That's how personal God is. And the good news isn't that that all things are going to work out just the way we want them to. The good news is that the God who created all those things and is big enough to know everything about everything, that God is at work, and that God knows me by the sound of my heartbeat. That's the God who is working on our behalf. The great question to ask yourself, do I believe that that God is at work? Is that the God that I believe to be at work? Because sometimes I live my life as if Paul wrote, in all things, you'd better be working really hard. Because I'm not sure God's going to come through for you. And I'm not sure that God is able to do what uh, we might be thinking he's able to do. But that is not what Paul wrote. Paul said that God is at work all the time in all things. And again, do you really believe that? That God is at work all the time. On a Thursday afternoon when nothing much is happening, do you ever stop and think, God's at work right now? And when you close your eyes before you go to sleep, which some of you are doing right now, (laughs) do you think to yourself, you know, I can rest easy. I can have peace because I know that this powerful, personal God is at work right now. I'm telling you, the peace and the freedom and the the confidence that, that comes with knowing that that God is at work on my behalf, it is unquantifiable. And I think that's a word. But this passage actually keeps getting better and better as we walk through this verse. Again, there's a reason why it's so famous. We know that in all things, God works for the good. Again, this is really important. It is important because it's misunderstood so often. People think, well, God's working so that I can have the good things. That's not what the promise is. We want the verse to say we're promised the good circumstances that we want, but that's not what the verse says. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This is really important when we think about the good things that God is doing and the work that he is doing. You know, good things can happen to me, good circumstances, a promotion at work, um, no cavities when I go to the dentist, everything's going well in my day, nice car, nice house. Good things can happen to me, and then also good things can happen in me. Um, More like Jesus. I have a heart that's getting fuller of love and joy and peace. Those things that happen in me. And when we think about people that we love, people who are dear to us, we want good things to happen in them, right? We want them to become better people. When we think about ourselves, (laughs) we want good things to happen to me. I want the good things. I want good things to happen to me. You see this all the time, by the way, with kids and their parents, right? Kids, they want good things to happen to them. Dad, Mom, buy me this thing. Give me this experience. Take me to this place. I want good things to happen to me. But parents know, if you're a good parent, you know, that what's really important is that good things happen in our children. 
In fact, if you're a good parent, sometimes you'll allow bad things to happen to your child so that good things can happen in your child. You get that? Are you tracking with me on this? Yeah, sure, we get that, right? Or you know where I'm headed here with God. Paul says it in this very verse. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. And then He explains the good who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed. What He chose was to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. God didn't promise you to have good circumstances all the time in your life. What He promises is, He's going to be working in your life to make you more like Jesus. And when you think about it, when you put your mind on a spiritual plane, when you think about eternity and when you think spiritually, which would you rather have? Good circumstances or the Holy Spirit transforming me to be more like Jesus? Which would you rather have? It's not even close, is it? For us, it's not even close. So Paul was able to rejoice as a Jesus follower. Not because good things were happening to him. Good things were not happening to Paul as far as his circumstances. But because of the good things that God was working in his life, conforming and transforming him more and more in the likeness of his son. Now God promises to use all the stuff that happens to us to produce good in us. He wants us to be like Jesus. And we know that in all things, God works for the good, and then Paul says, of those who love Him. Let me remind you of something that's very unique to the God that we serve. And we take it for granted, but we shouldn't. If you were a devout Jew living in the first century, at least twice a day, once in the morning, once in the evening, you would pray to the God of Israel. And it's a prayer that, that they refer to as the Shema. We know it as Deuteronomy chapter 6. The beginning of that prayer says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Why did Israel treasure that passage? Why was it so important to them? And why did in the New Testament did Jesus double down on that? Remember, Jesus put it right to the top of the list. It's the most important command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. It's because it's such a clear teaching about Jesus. And because it gives us such an insight to the heart of Jesus. Or the heart of God, I'm sorry. And one of the important things that, that I say we kind of miss about the God we serve is our God is a God who wants to be loved. We take that for granted. Well, of course he wants to be loved. The Hebrews never took that for granted. People living in the first century, they didn't take that for granted. Because no other God wanted to be loved. Nobody ever said, oh, I love Baal. I love Moloch, who we sacrifice our children to. Or I love Zeus. No, those gods didn't want to be loved. Those gods were worshipped, those false gods, because they were feared. Because they just had to be appeased. They just keep it at arm's length. They didn't want those gods to hurt them. They didn't love them. They just were afraid of them. 
then the God of Israel comes along and says, I want you to love me. And when you think about that, that is amazing. That God wants me, God wants you to love him. Now there's something very vulnerable about wanting to be loved. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Such a remarkable statement. So what's God doing for those who don't love him? If God works for the good of all things or for those who love him, what's he doing for those who don't love him? You know what he's doing for those who don't love him? He's working for their good too. He is. Remember Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. God is working for everybody who loves him. And God is working for everybody who doesn't love him. They just make his job a little bit harder. What a good God we serve. What a good God we are allowed to love. What a good God to be in control. So, we look back at the the beginning of this famous verse. Because the beginnings... It's important too. Paul says, and we know. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We know. Paul didn't say, and we hope. And we're guessing. And we are gambling on the fact that perhaps, Paul says, we know. We know it. We know it's true. We know that God's in control. And we know that he works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So we're not like a boat, bobbing up and down on the waves, waiting for bad news, waiting, for, waiting to be blindsided. We know. We know that God is at work. In all circumstances, in all things, in all the stuff that comes our way. The big stuff And the little stuff. We know that God is at work on our behalf. He's at work when we have our best days. And maybe especially during those days when we kind of get knocked off our feet. We know that God's at work. And I'll tell you something that you don't need a preacher to tell you. Even though that verse and every word in it is so important and so true... Wouldn't we all agree that life is hard? (laughs) Life is hard. You see the bumper stickers, life is hard, then you die? Um, That's kind of right. Life is hard. And we see the bad things happening around us. Offices, I've got politics going on, and my hours are getting cut, and I've got a stack of bills, and I'm not sure how they're going to get paid. My my kids are struggling. My marriage is in chaos. And sometimes we wonder, where's God? Where's God in all these things? Does God not know? Does God not care? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. 
I have quoted that verse, I think, eight or nine times in the last 20 or 25 minutes. I'm going to quote it one more time, but I'm going to ask you to quote it with me. And I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand up. And I'm not asking you to stand just because we're about to sing a song and you're going to be standing anyway. I'm going to ask you to stand to show respect and reverence for what God wants us to know as we start a new week. So let's say this verse together. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. The next time you feel like you got blindsided, you remember one of the most famous passages in all of Scripture. Romans 8, 28. Let's go ahead, and we're already standing. Let's go ahead and sing.